Your career path was to be a Olympian badminton player. I was doing way better. I was like top 10 in the country at the time. And I was living this kind of false reality that I could be an Olympic badminton player and also be the biggest DJ in the world. Oh, wow. But I would just lie to my parents and go into these clubs and just go play. And that took over. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be India's answer to Martin Garrix. And then I moved over Brockhampton and Tyler and that completely changed my outlook of music. And that's when I decided to go to a vocal coach. And she was just like, you need to do this. What's up, those? My name is Rajid. Uh, I'm here with Renal, all the way from England, man. Welcome here. Yo, thank you for having me. How you doing? I'm very happy to have you, man. Of course, of course. Dude, what's it like? You just got into New York, what, 24 hours ago? I know. It's just, yeah. I'm tired. I'm pretty tired. I'm yeah. just really, really tired. And, but we're here. We're good. Yeah, we're good. We're, we're good. here. When was the last time in the city? 2018. Mm -hmm. I came last year to America, and that was in LA, but... Um, it's been a it's been a minute. It's also kind of one of my favorite cities, so yeah. pretty excited to be one of the best cities in the world. Yeah. Is uh, London like this a lot, or is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's very busy. It's very like on like fast paced and very kind of just on it, and people are just kind of getting to where they need to be, yeah. which is interesting. And LA was completely different, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, London's a lot like this. Yeah, but you're not originally from London, though. Right? No, I grew up in India. India. Um, and. I feel like when I say grew up in India, people are like, oh, he stayed there for like six years. But like, yeah. I was there for 19 years. Yeah. And then I moved here. No, I moved over to London when I was... Actually, I didn't even move to London. I went to Leeds, which is like a city up north in the UK mm -hmm. to study music. But yeah, I lived in India for 19 years before I moved anywhere to Western City, which That's I never wild. lived in, never been to a Western country ever. And then I just t turned up there. Yeah. And I've been there for six years there. That's insane. So you're from Bangalore originally, right? Yeah, so it's Bangalore down south. It's like a big metropolitan city. It's yeah. kind of like this. Um, and there's just quite a lot going on. It's like a Silicon Valley um, yeah. of the of the country. And so it's just loads of IT companies yeah. and stuff like that. How, how like Western was it for you? It's quite Western. Mm -hmm. It's quite Western as in, I think India's always been, especially the metropolitan cities have always been kind of influenced by Western culture a lot, especially yeah. American culture in general. Yeah. Um, and so you, I, I was listening to English music since I, I can remember. My parents always went to English yeah. music as well. All my friends listened to English music. So it was kind of, I never really grew up listening to a lot of yeah. Hindi music or Bollywood music. Um, but that's just kind of how it is. Like you have an English radio channel, yeah. like you have DH1 and stuff like that yeah. in India. So it's quite westernized if you're in like the big cities. Were you a music head growing up? Yeah, I, I did want to do music. Mm -hmm. When I was like eight or nine, I started writing songs. And I remember copying like one of the Jesse McCartney songs and I had it on like one of Disney show. Yeah. Um, I think Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Really? And then I made that Your Beautiful song or whatever. Uh, gonna put my, I, I can't remember what the song's called, but I made like the same song and I, I convinced myself that he ripped the song off me. Yeah. Is that the You're Beautiful? Uh, no, the Jesse McCartney was, uh, how's it go? Yeah, there you go. I don't want a pretty face. <laughs> yeah. That one. Um, and I had mine was like, gonna put your feet on the floor. Um, but yeah, it was a rip off of that yeah. song. And then I convinced my parents to go take me to music school. And I was like, and I was, my dad really loved John Mayer at the time. Old were you at the time? Eight, eight, nine. Um, and, okay, music school in Bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like try and go to like a, learn an instrument or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they took me to a music school and I was obsessed with John Mayer because of the guitar yes. and stuff. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna just learn how to play the guitar, go in there and they're like, oh, if you wanna be a singer songwriter, just learn piano, mm -hmm. we'd suggest learning piano instead. And so they pushed me to do piano and I hated it after three months. It just wasn't what yeah. I had in my mind of like being yeah. a rock star with a guitar and stuff. Yeah, so it was sexy. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so I was just like, this is not it, and so I just stopped. Mm -hmm. um but 
I was playing a lot of badminton. My dad's a badminton coach. Yeah, because your career path was to be a Olympian badminton player. Yeah, I think that was kind of always the plan. Yeah. Um, even with that whole music thing, trying to go to music school, it was still kind of the back of my head that I was going to do it. Because it wasn't that my dad pressured me or anything. It was just kind of like, oh, my dad's doing this, so I'm just going to do that yeah. kind of thing. Because he's a coach. Yeah, because right? it just made sense. Um, and then... I was just getting really, really into it. When I was like 13, 14, I would train every single day. Yeah. Um, and then my school would let me go to like tournaments, miss like, I'd miss loads of like birthdays and like social life basically, cause I'd just be playing tournaments all the time. Were you willing to give a, a lot of your social life for badminton? Like, were you also in, as interested in it as your family was? Or was yeah, it something you just I was, my sister stopped when I was like 13 and I was like, oh, I really want to stop too. Yeah. And I just kept going because I couldn't, we couldn't both stop at the same time. Yeah. And then I kept going for a little bit longer. And then I was like, all right, this is, this is it. Cause I started getting better as well. I started yeah. doing better at like tournaments. And then I was like, all right, I can actually do this. And so then I got really, really into it and I really enjoyed playing. Um, and then my school just gave me permission to like go around and just play tournaments and miss school up. Um, with that came missing loads of social. And I was okay with it because for me it was like, I get to go play tournaments and like come back yeah. to school with like a trophy and shit, yeah. um, which was really, really fun. And then once I finished school, like the last two years, it's like 11th, 12th, mm -hmm. um, I basically joined a school where they let you play all day long and just come and That's write exams. Like so I so I would train from like six in the morning till four in the evening, just have breaks in between, but mm -hmm. I'd be like at the center the whole day, just training. Were you really getting like an education or was it just like, yeah? Yeah, okay. well, my, my parents like, as long as you have the degree, like whatever mm -hmm. you find, just play badminton yeah. and do that. Um, but it was interesting because I would literally train all day and then I come back home and make yeah. music from like four o'clock to 10 o'clock. Yeah. That's kind of around the time when I decided to go all in, badminton was kind of around the time I discovered my love for music yeah. again in terms of like wanting to make it. But you weren't like just like making music. You were like a DJ. Like you wanted to be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I went to... At this, at that, this point in time, 14, 15, I was listening to loads of like Bruno Mars and like yeah. just the usual pop stuff. Mm -hmm. And then a friend introduced me to like Sweet Child's Mafia. Um, and I was just, I was hooked to like dance music at the time. And so I went to go see Avicii live, my first like concert ever. Mm -hmm. And I was in the crowd and I was just like, this is crazy. Like this is so, this music is just really, really cool. Yeah. And so the next day I just Googled how to make music like Avicii, downloaded yeah. every software under the sun and yeah. just try, I didn't have a clue about like key scales, music, nothing, mm -hmm. I had no idea. And I was just like, press buttons on the computer trying yeah. to make music and that took over so I was like oh I'm going to be India's answer to Martin Garrix and that's going to be wow. me um and I was living this kind of false reality that I could do I could be an Olympic badminton player and also be the biggest DJ in the world, world. and that, that was just obviously not going to yeah. happen um and then it had to when I was playing badminton like full-time I had loads of lo time to make music yeah. compared to most other people who just you have to go to school and stuff because of badminton i was just playing badminton six seven hours and then the rest of the day was just mm -hmm. making music so i got really good real quick yeah um do you think also being an athlete though like having that competitive mindset all those things made you very vigorous in the way you, like, you got into music maybe i think it it got me more used to doing things on my own and like there's definitely points even to even today, there's definitely points that helped me through badminton to like, because yeah. initially when I was playing badminton, I was like, I have really short temper and I, I throw tantrums really? and like on court and stuff. And that kind of phased out as I started getting better and like a lot wow. of patience, like you get just loads of patience. 
And that's helped me now, I think, over the course of my music career is just being patient. Yeah. And I don't think that would have happened if I didn't do sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really, really like helped me. Yeah. Like just another advantage that I have, I think. Um, but yeah, man, that was a very stressful time trying to like do everything yes. at the same time. But you were running around on like weekend nights like DJing or like what was that? Yeah, I would, I would, my sister's, one of my sister's friends and me decided to like start a duo and we were just like, we'd go DJing every other night. Um, and my parent, I was also 17 at the time. So I wasn't like yeah. allowed to be in these places. Um, but I would just lie to my parents, um, and go into these clubs and just go play. Um, and then it got, then I started like getting support from like Nicky Romero and like Hardwell yeah. and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, this, I could actually possibly do this. Yeah. Um, and then I reached a point where I finished school and then my dad's like, what's next? And my coach had left at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I need to go somewhere where like, there's a really good coach and stuff like that. And my yeah. dad said, I can get you into where the Olympians train, which is in a different city. And I knew my laptop's never going to be involved with me ever again. Mm-hmm. And I, I was doing way better. I was like top 10 in the country at the time, yeah. badminton and doubles. And I had to make a decision choosing that or music where I wasn't nearly as good as I was at badminton. And I think something just clicked where I was like, I need, because it was such a safe space for me coming back to my bedroom, yeah. even losing out on that social life as a kid, being able to go back to my bedroom and just be safe in that space was something that I was just, didn't want to give up. I just, I yeah. couldn't lose that. And that's why I think I chose music over badminton. And you said to me earlier that your dad wasn't like anti. He was like, okay, like if you're going to do this. Yeah, he wasn't. For mo- like for Indian parents in general, my parents yeah. have been really, really liberal and progressive mm-hmm. with what I do. Um, my sisters went to like culinary school and like yeah. that doesn't, you at least need to have one engineer in the building. Yeah, right. right? Um, and so it was really interesting. I was just really lucky with my parents just let me do what I wanted to do mm-hmm. as long as I had backups for it. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I'm sure he would have, his heart broke a little bit when I told yeah. him I didn't want to do badminton anymore, but he was just, all right, if we're going to do that, um, I told him, let's, he said, I just need you to have a degree just so you, you go study music. If you need to study music, I just need you to get a degree. Yeah. Um, and I was like, there wasn't enough music schools in India at the time to study what I wanted to study music production. Mm-hmm. And the only other option was to go outside of the country. Um, and but I almost convinced him to like rent out like a little, the amount of money he would have spent for me to go to uni versus just renting out a cheap little room in yeah. India, make it a studio and like go in on like the EDM mm-hmm. stuff. I almost haven't convinced. We go, we go running around town trying to find places where we can like make it into a studio, mm-hmm. and then last minute he was just like, "Nah, we can't do this. Yeah. Like, I need you to have a degree." Um, and then I wanted to come here. Like, it just made yeah. I wanted to go to Berkeley because that was like the best school in the world. Mm-hmm. So it just made sense to come here, and it was like hundred grand a year. And we yeah. were just like, "Nope, that's it. That ain't <laughs> happening." Um, and so that's how I landed in Leeds because it was way cheaper, um, and so. That was my whole story of like going from India to finally being able to make music in the UK. So you're in Leeds, you know, your name is Rahul, but when is Renau born? Like, where, where did that even moniker come up? Um, I had a couple, man. I had so many different names when I was doing dance music because I keep changing up things. Yeah. Um, and so the last one I had was called Torian. Um, I shouldn't actually be saying that because there's music on Spotify. Really? Yeah. Um, no and so it was called Torian because I'm Taurus. Um, yeah. And that was like hardcore dance music. And then at some point just before coming to the UK, I was like, I was listening to a lot of like, 
uh, Jai Wolf and yeah. like I was listening to Porter Robinson and like stuff like that and I was like mm -hmm. all right I just, just want to move over to more like chilled dance yeah. music like stuff you listen to a beat on a mm -hmm. beach or something um and I was like maybe everyone knows me I was doing like really hardcore stuff yeah. with the the other moniker and I was like let me go relax a little bit mm -hmm. and so I just searched cool names in different languages and Renault came up mm -hmm. and it's like a Chinese word for lively or bustling Oh, wow. And I was like, cool, I, need, I want to be lively or bustling. Like, oh, I'm cool <laughs> yeah, with that. Let yeah. me take that. And that's how that happened. Um, and so I actually started making music like Jai and just kind of do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, very chilled out. Still was just still in the kind of midst of getting into center labels and stuff like that. And, and I would what just, year was this? This was like 2016, 2017. Gotcha. And I would get... Um, I would get message other singers to try to get them to sing on the songs and stuff. So I wasn't yeah. singing at all up until this point. So you were just producing? I was just producing full time. As Renau or as? At this point, as Renau. Okay. And I made, moved over to like making the chilled stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to Leeds. And then I kind of like, because in India, I was just so obsessed with Western culture. And I was listening to the, the chilled out dance music stuff. Yeah. But I still hadn't learned of so many other artists that I'd come to discover once I moved over to the UK. Yeah. So I was in this little EDM electronic music bubble um, and then I moved over and then I met so many people in the UK that put me onto like Frank Ocean and Omar, yeah. uh, like Brockhampton and Tyler and stuff like that. And that completely changed my outlook of music. But I still wanted to do just the chilled Renau stuff. Yeah. And then I saw people like Paul and stuff would sing live at his shows over, mm -hmm. over the singer. Yeah. And that's when I like finally decided like, oh, I want to do like backing vocals on my yeah, songs. That'd be really cool. Because I didn't want to DJ anymore. I just mm. wanted to like play live and like perform live. Yeah. So I started learning like more instruments and stuff like that. Um, and that's when I decided to go to a vocal coach in Leeds, like just try and figure out how I can be a better backup singer for, yeah. for, for the artist that I sing with. Um, and that was an interesting experience. It was like three months of going to her and then she was just like, you need to do this. Yeah. This is what you need to sing. Like you can't mm -hmm. just do the background stuff. You need to sing. And that's that that changed my world completely because yeah. I was like, oh, I can actually be a singer now. Like, oh, interesting. And I don't think I would have thought that in India. Um, and then I just spent like the next year trying to figure out what I wanted to sing over, basically. Yeah. Wow. And so at what point are you making enough music where you feel confident about it? And I know your first like breakout song was nobody right yeah yeah and this is tell me if i'm wrong in 2020 around that time yeah it was COVID. the oh wait 2021 yes. i think so i moved to we can talk about the visa situation later but yeah, i moved to london the end of 2020 and then in like two and a half months i found my manager mm -hmm. um and he had put me in a bunch of sessions and in like a month or two I've written nobody with the with the producer because up until this point I was just writing on my own mm -hmm. and I didn't put anything out you know I had all my friends saying like oh you should put this song out you should put that yeah. song out but I think I was really honest with myself of like what I expected the music to sound like before I put it out so I had quite a lot of music to be able to yeah. put out but I just didn't think they were good enough to be able to put out mm -hmm. and so around March of being in sessions with the man that manager that put me into those sessions I'd made nobody um, and then we spent the rest of that year trying to figure out how we're going to release music, what yeah. we're going to release, like who's going to like listen to it and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Loads of like development phase that I had to go yeah. through. And then I just posted it. A producer sent me six months later a new version of Nobody. And mm. 
that's when I put, I didn't want to release it initially because I was just like, this song's a bit too pop for me and I want to yeah. go more like left leaning stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I just put the outro on, on TikTok because it wasn't even a plan of releasing that song. I was just like, let me just put it. Yeah. And then I woke up to like 400,000 views on that video. You're like, fuck, I got it. Yeah, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> this this needs to go now. Um, and we were still trying to figure out labels and stuff. But at that point I was like, all right, cool. I think we're ready yeah. uh, to start putting music out. But when I saw it on YouTube, I felt immediately, I was like, whoa. But did you find that before you started Dust? Uh, it was during it. It was okay. like, because you know, like my life now is just like being chronically on the internet, trying to find these artists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see nobody pop up and I'm like, Oh my God, this is different. It's, yeah, yeah. it was catchy, but in the video direction as well, yeah, yeah. it felt like Wes Anderson-y, but a little bit more yeah, cinematic. What, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was really Wes Anderson inspired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so special for me to see the Kadesi dude making music that's like super global, super true to himself. And it wasn't leaning in on anything other than the artistry itself. Yeah, thank you. And um, from that moment, I was just like addicted. So yeah, we can go ahead and play that. And feel free to like narrate if you have like any thoughts uh, on like It's weird because I wrote this song about not needing anyone Obviously it's like a post breakup song But I'd never been in a relationship before this song really? um, But I remember writing in a journal Like a year before I wrote this song about like trying to like make it and being realizing that I didn't need anyone else to do it and so maybe there's a narrative that I, want, I could do it all on my own as an artist and yeah. that's why I wrote it but obviously a number of people that messaged me saying yo this song's helped me through a breakup and it's really helped me get through a certain phase of my life it's been that's kind of been the most rewarding part of this song I'd say even though for me I didn't write it from a breakup perspective yeah. um, but it clearly just sounds like a breakup song um, but that's what I love about music, man. It's like you could write about something and another person could completely get a totally different vibe off it and be like, this saved my life for a totally different reason than what you intended it to be. And it's subjective. Is it make it worth it when you're like, oh, I'm like having fun, I'm making music, and then after you get a DM saying something yeah, like that, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh shit. Yeah, because like, at the time when you're making it, you don't go, this is going to save that person's life. But you, yeah. don't, you never, I, would, I don't think any artist is going like, this is going to help that person. Yeah. Um, and it's a selfish pursuit if you think about music. Like it, it comes from like I make, I get really, I'm happy when I make music. So it always starts with being selfish to yourself. Like this is making me really happy. Yeah. But once it's out, it's no longer so, like I think people make music from a selfish perspective. They put it out, and then it becomes other people's, yeah. and then they get to explore that from their side. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, oh, this could actually help other people too. So yeah. then it goes into a more like selfless perspective of making exactly. music. I think, and it needs to come from a place of selfishness. Right? Yeah, it does. Like I just think, I think most people, most artists like tend to say like, oh, I'm doing this for X, Y, Z. But if you're yeah. not, if you're not getting any happiness out of making music then mm -hmm. you're doing it for the wrong reasons yeah but yeah that's kind of how i feel yeah and so this song comes out and it propels you in a huge way and and you're telling me at the time that before the song you're like talking labels saying, i don't know i don't know yeah and then the song comes out and the narrative changes around you career-wise correct i think so i think before much before the song came out i actually had um like a few like labels poking around just because yeah. of like the audience I was building on TikTok. Um, and that was always about being really genuine for me, even though I've probably had like 3000 followers at this point on TikTok, yeah. but it was fans that I, that wanted, that understood what I was trying to do even before yeah. I put music out. Um, and I think that's what the labels could see from that point in time. But I just 
never found the right fit of the people of the labels I'm meeting and stuff yeah. like that. And so things were just kind of up in the air. And at this point, I was just trying to figure out how I could stay in this industry and stay yeah. in the country as well. Um, and so, and then this song happened and then all these labels just come rushing at you because they're just like, oh, you have this big song on TikTok. And most of those labels said, give us this song. They weren't like, what is your plan as an artist? Like, what else have you got? Like, what's your future? What does that look like? They were just like, we need this song. Mm -hmm. um, and my current label was were one of the only ones was like, what else have you got? And I told them I have this whole EP that I've been kind of planning out for the whole year. And then they go, we won the whole EP. And so that's why it took so long to be even be able to put the music out. And I was just getting so much hate from people being like the hype has died and stuff like that. But I yeah. didn't even have a label to put the song out on. And I always knew I wanted the label, even though it's like it's an independent label and I own my masters and like I'm completely independent in that regard. Yeah. Um, I needed that right setup, right? And so I wanted to make sure I wasn't just putting out the song because people wanted it. I wanted to make sure that my future was also secure within that in the yeah. next few months of my life. And that's why it took about two months to come out. But it, I'm glad it came out like that rather than just like rushing it and then not having things in place. Because it was in it's intentional in terms of creative, in terms of development. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I didn't know who was going to shoot the video. Yeah. I didn't know what the art, like I just posted a song online. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of artists do that on TikTok where you just kind of just post it, hope for the best. And then suddenly you're like, oh, wow, I yeah. need to drop this like next week. But you don't have nothing in place to be able to drop that song yeah. next week. And it also takes like four weeks for Spotify to like take a song in and like, you know, go through the rounds within Spotify, try and get support. Um, but as a consumer, I'm sure that's annoying to be like, yeah. I, I love the song, I want to listen to it right now. And like, you want to be able to shake them and be like, it doesn't yeah, work yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've had that too. There's, there's like some artists that go, take five months to drop mm -hmm. a song once it goes, blows up. And it's really interesting. We just live in like a time now where like it's so fast paced, yeah. where if you're not giving people what they want immediately, they're going to the next artist. Yeah. I mean, your fans are giving you a lot of shit for breaking down because they're like, why do you keep teasing yeah, it? Give it to me. Well, yeah, uh, people just go, this guy always just puts songs, <laughs> gets hype, and then takes months <laughs> to put a song out. And the same thing happened with Break It Down was I was just trying to see, because I had not put music out in so long, I just wanted to give people the music I was sitting on for so long. Mm -hmm. I wasn't actually sitting long for that long, but I just knew that it was going to take some more time to come out. And I was like, I just want people to hear this yeah. now. And I posted it initially in October. And it was doing really, really well. Um... And then everyone was like, yeah, he's just going to take six months to drop this song. Yeah. And it actually did. It took like <laughs> four months to finally drop it. Um, but there's just loads of things that kind of happened in between that I had to like take time to be able to figure out how it would come out, what the, the next rest of the project was. And I mean, this is a part of your new project, which is coming out called Space Between Orange and Blue. Yes. Um, and it, it recounts, you know, a lot of your experiences. The Space Between Orange and Blue, mm -hmm. the colors mixed together is... It's brown. Yeah. Right. I think that was a realization I had in in LA in March when we were there last year. And I was trying to figure, I knew I wanted an orange EP and a blue EP. Yeah. And I wanted the orange one to come out last summer and the blue one to come out in the winter. Yeah. And I just saw them as like, you're driving with your friends EP and you're walking around late at night EP, right? Those yeah. are the two kind of colors. And then for me, it was very visual, like orange and blue. Mm -hmm. Um, and at some point in time, they just phased into one project. And for me, I was just like, why not just give people a bigger project that yeah. just work both together? And that's when I was like, okay, let's add the orange and blues together. And I was with my manager and I was like, oh, orange and blue, is that red? Like, what color is that? And he's like, yo, it's brown. My manager's brown as well. Yeah. So I was like, yo, it's brown. 
And for, I think at that point in time, things kind of like turned. But even at that point, I was just like, oh, that's just cool. That's a cool coincidence. Yeah. Like it's brown. And then I started making the project around June last year. Mm-hmm. And I had just been introduced to this producer called Zach Nahum, yeah. who's done stuff like Pin Pan Thrust and Slow Tie and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I was just so like just huge imposter syndrome working with him. But um, he's a quarter Indian as well. So, really? Yeah, he's a quarter Indian. Um, and so that was just really interesting to be yeah. with, just working with this producer that I, like was really, really a big fan of. And um, but he was also he works a lot a lot in the way that I work when I produce it was like there's no rules and like yeah. I don't really care what anyone says like we're just gonna like if you look you break it down the structure of that song is just so random yeah. but that's kind of what we kind of just love doing the studio we're just like we just wanted to make music we made break it down the first day we made music together mm-hmm. um but it was I'd never it was a piece literally my like work wife you know I just like finally met someone that I connect with so well to be able to make music um and so he gave me a lot of confidence in a lot of things. And mm-hmm. I think I finally decided that, all right, I'm going to make this project with him. Um, and so he's exact the whole project. Um, and we made the project together. And he was just like, there's so much of your story that needs to be told and gave me so much confidence of like, no one has a story that you're just telling, you're telling me about your life. Like, I don't yeah. know a single artist who has your story, who's like, um, this story needs to be told and you need to tell people, you need to be proud of the story and tell as many people as you can. Because up, I think up until that point, I was making music. Oh, I love these artists, these Western artists. I'm going to go make that music and put it out. And that's why I think the first EP was that. It was just like, this is the kind of music I love. I'm just going to make more music like it and put it out. Mm-hmm. And then through this phase of making this project, I think it was more about, nah, this is my story. This is me, like completely and honestly, this is what I want to give to the world. And even like stuff like autotune and tuning with like vocals and stuff, he he would he was like you can sing so you're not you're not using it so it's like honest and raw, and it's the truth. Yeah, I think that's the most important part of it. It's like they're all completely different songs, but together they're all friends and yeah. they make sense and they're all parts of me in each song, you know. Mm-hmm. And they are orange and blue, so it's still split in that kind of. So it went from this like mood playlist to actually an identity of my race and my culture and like being proud of where I came from yeah. because I didn't have a lot of that like coming to the UK because I was just like mm-hmm. so fascinated with Western culture as a kid um, and I kind of like glorified it almost and then yeah. I moved over to the UK and I didn't speak like this. Yeah, you uh, had a different accent. Like- yeah, well, I, I grew up in India so obviously I had an Indian accent yeah. and I had loads of like international school friends in India as well so every time I spoke to them I could speak in like an um, like an American twang um mm-hmm. and I got and I wasn't honest about this I've never it's been over through this project it's made me more honest to talk about other things to other people and I'd always tell people I went to that international school and that's why yeah. I spoke like that so it's like a journey of self-acceptance in a way. yeah like you had to come around to loving yourself or not just like being not even loving but like just being proud just of being proud yeah of just it. being proud of where I am from and stuff yeah and so I moved over to the UK and I just spoke, the moment I walked into the room at my school, at uni, I spoke in this thick American accent. And yeah. I was like, because I couldn't speak in British accents. So I was like, let me just go American. Because I think the way that Western culture has always portrayed brown people has always been with the accent and with like talking about 
how Indian people, Indian accents yeah, uncool and stuff like that. So I just like, I didn't want to be the guy with the Indian accent. So I just spoke in this American accent. I'd watched so many American movies. I could nail it. I nailed the American accent, yeah. right? And so they were all like, oh, did you go to international school? And I was like, yeah, I just went to international school. Yeah. And so I did that for a couple of months. And um, I had a friend who had loads, of, he was white, but he had loads of like brown friends and they came to visit him and they were all from England. And we were just kind of make, messing around making music and I was singing. Yeah. And and they were like, oh yeah, you, you can really sing, stuff like that. And yeah. then later, he one of his friends told him like, yeah, your friend's really good, but he's got an Indian accent when he sings. Um, and like for context, even in India, when you like, when I grew up, you'd go to like gigs and stuff and we'd always go like, yeah, they sound really good, but they do have the accent when they sing. Really? Yeah, but it was, it was, it was more of like, that's not going to be accepted in Western sphere. Like it's, it's not going to do yeah. well that way. Um, and it was almost that internalized like Western culture stereotype where we yeah. put on ourselves about like, this isn't going to work on like, cause it felt like Western culture ruled the world. And if yeah. you didn't fit in that bubble then you weren't going to take over the world mm-hmm. um and so that i always had that in, in, in i'd always hear that in india yeah. um and it wasn't like abba where they you know they obviously didn't have an english accent but they sang in a non-english like they sang like a very generic yeah. accent i don't think indian people did that a lot um and so i heard this comment and my friend told me about it and I was like, I'd never want anyone to say that about me, about me when I'm singing. And so I'd go into my bedroom every day uni and just like read in this British accent because I'm surrounded by like British people. So I yeah. just like read in this British accent for 30 minutes a day and kind of just forced myself to learn to speak this way. Wow. Where it's so normalized now where I speak to my parents, speak to like everyone in India this way. And it's how I think now. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people ask me, do you wish you, you still, would you go back in time and change it? Yeah. I probably wouldn't because of how the pressures that that's, have been put on us through Western culture, yeah. like how we look in media. But now I'm I've, I'm so open about it because I don't want anyone else to do that, you yeah. know. And I, I want it to be like, no, Indian accent is sexy, like you it's, know, it, like we are sexy. And it, I think for the longest time we've been portrayed as like the smart people, the people tucked away in the corner, like out of, out of focus. And now it's like, nah, we're here. We're, we're, nah, we're brown. I'm going to wear nice earrings. I'm going to dye my yeah, hair. I'm yeah, going to be hot. Yeah, that's, <laughs> for me, that's, I think that was so important for me, like coming yeah. coming over, even in India, I, I probably couldn't have dressed this way at a certain yeah. point in time. I think it gets better and better every year. And um, every time I go back to India, my mind's always so blown because it gets, keeps getting so progressive. Um, but yeah, I think that was a huge part of the story yeah. of being able to accept who I am is because I didn't do that. I didn't do that fashion. I was like, I'm just going to wear whatever I want. Yeah. And so with the music, it was finally like, I'm going to make whatever I want. And yeah. I think that it just ties in so perfectly because like, if you think about it, they're the two biggest things of our days. Like you're wearing what you want to wear. You're walking down the street with the music you want to listen to. Yeah. And it's just two most, I think, two most important aspects of our life are how we express ourselves to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really, really helped. And and you come and you start the album too. It's like, it's a wow, wow, yes. And I did yeah. my best just to yeah. make it here. Yeah. So you're doing your best in a way, just do it. Can you explain it? It's not out right now. And maybe by the time this comes out, it is. But can you kind of dive into the first track, Wild Wild yeah. West? Wild Wild West was finally the first time I explained my story ever, like in a song. And I didn't ever think, think I would do that. But that was, again, Zach. And producers just kind of getting it out of me. It's like you need to tell it, like yeah. be proud and tell it. And what way to be proud and tell it? Is just scream it down the, just scream it down <laughs> the microphone. Um, and that's literally what I did. Is like me screaming about 
me coming over to the Wild Wild West. And there's literally like lines like, um, um, I know no one even knows where the hell I'm from. Things can get messy. Like, I didn't even have a lot of time. I'm going to have to go back home. There's, it, c- it covers so much of my story of like, my visa runs out. I'm, in the, I'm here trying to make it. And that's kind of the whole, the, the song just oozes confidence to me of like, yeah. I am going to make it. But yeah. it's going to be tough, but I'm going to make yeah. it. Like for me, making it is just being able to carry on living, mm-hmm. where, like, live in the UK and make music. It was like a story that just needed to be told. Yeah, just a story that finally people needed to hear. Because like, I don't think a lot of people usually listen to my music and go, oh, this kid's from India. Like, I don't yeah. think that's the first thing that comes onto their mind. Um, and I feel like it's finally, it's my, it's my truth. So why yeah. am I not telling it, you know? And so it's like, let's put that into music. Exactly. Because it's, it's not something that like, you have to lean in and out of. It's just who you are. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's no, it's not like there's an agenda behind it. That's just you. And being honest about that is not only good for yourself, but for the 15-year-old kid in like Dearborn, Michigan, yeah. who needs to hear that, yeah. or the kid in London or Leeds. Well, I, that's what I think is like, it's so interesting to me, the, the similarities so, like both of us like share yeah. but also the difference at the same time because of the where we grew up and where we didn't grow up like i'm sure a brown kids experience in the uk versus brown kids experience in america is wildly different mm-hmm. versus a brown brown person's experience in a brown country is also wildly different yeah. but on the whole when you add it in a global perspective all three of those people are feeling the same things exactly. and i feel all those three people deserve to know that there is space for them. People are watching and you're all sexy. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. You know, I think that's the similarities that we all share. It's like, that's the great thing about your platform is one of those things that it's like celebrating brown people all over the world. And if we are living in a, in a space where the world's more connected than ever before, yeah. all three of those people need to hear the same story. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really important for brown people right now. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're saying, people, Oh, we're tucked in the corner. Yeah. And for me, like I grew up and I was like, I don't see like really dope brown artists that I love on like really cool like interview shows, mm-hmm. you know? And it's not those people's fault. They're just not yeah. brown. So not tapped into our culture. And I was like, the issue here is just like visibility. It's not it's yeah. not that there's just no market for it. Like there's yeah. billions of us, dog. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There just needed to there just needed to be a place where like you could tap in. Cause yeah. I grew up watching like BET. And I got to enjoy the culture and mm. be a part of it and be invited. And I was like, we got to stop like walking away from our own culture. Yeah. But somebody, yo, come through. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I know like growing up, I don't know if your friends had this. Maybe, or I guess like, it's, I think it may be somewhere in India where like, or not India, excuse me, like England. You tell your friends come uh, like, come over and like, oh, your mom's cooking. And like, yeah, fuck, yeah. I don't want them to like, uh, smell the smell, this or that. And then like, or, like, I don't want them to come to like, a wedding. But then you're like, white friends, black friends, Mexican friends are like, why don't you tell me to come through? Like yeah, this is yeah. so dope. The food's yeah, so good. Yeah, like yeah. why are you gatekeeping? Yeah, I think, I think a few bad experiences always ruin it for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And I think, yeah. man, all my friends in the UK, I put them like they, are, I think they're so, they get to see such a different side of me now that I think yeah. they all respect it so much more as well. And I think they see that confidence. And yeah. the, also, there's as much as it is like a Western stereotype of how brown people are. Yeah. If we aren't oozing with confidence, like they're not going to see it. The world's not going to see it either. And um, that's why I really fuck with Hassan Minaj. Like he's just like, I heard him talk about like, 
the confidence thing is just like we're always told in Indian culture, Western brown culture is yeah. like, oh, don't be in the, don't be the loudest in the room. Don't be like too arrogant. Don't be too confident about mm -hmm. stuff. And I feel like we need to without having to be too arrogant about things, you need to have confidence in yourself. And I think that's what we need to show these all these brown kids yeah. of like you can be confident, you can be loud, you can be wearing the craziest clothes. Like yeah. you can do all of that. Like that's part of the new experience, new age of brown experience in Western exactly. culture, I think. The moment those started for me, right? Yeah. Was I was a party, I think 2019, my sophomore year of college. I was with one of my Desi homies and like the music was good, it was bumping. And there's this track that came out by a South Asian artist that was, um, it was just like a hip hop song. It was lit. And um, like everyone got down, I always get down to it. I was like, oh yeah, everyone's gonna have fun with the song of the party. Like it's, a, it's not like a gimmicky thing. Yeah. It's a, just a good song. And I looked at my Daisy friend, I'm like, yo, let's play it. And he goes, nah, bro, they're gonna think we're weird just because he was brown yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's brown. And I'm like, yeah. yo, like, you know, when like Dr. Strange gets touching the forehead. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait a second here. I know when any other artist comes on, all the people who play, they rock with it. They go yeah, crazy. Yeah. We see that and we rock with them. And so I was like, the problem here isn't in the sense of like the feeling, not the definition, but being sexy is like, Brown kids at the time didn't feel sexy yeah, enough yeah. to rock their own shit yeah. and make other people as confident in them as they are about themselves. It's like me with my accent, bro. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's like you, you were just too scared to like mm -hmm. confront that reality of like, mm -hmm. no, we are here. We are sexy. Because like you said, that's it. India is now the most popular, popular, populated country in the world. Yeah. It's like 1.5 billion people just in India. Then you add the other brown kids like Pakistan, yeah. Bangladesh. It's like huge. Mm -hmm. And for us not to have that confidence of being like, we have such huge share in the population of the world right now. Yeah. Like we can't be the ones in the background anymore. Like yeah. it doesn't work that way. You're not only just talking about that though as well. You're also talking like a lot of love. Yeah. Um, I just, I just want, I just needed to be as representational of my life as possible. Yeah. Like it's, that's why there's happy songs and sad songs because I'm not going through only a phase of happiness at a given time, only mm -hmm. phase of sadness at a given time, yeah. only a phase of heartbreak or love at a given time, yeah. you know? And so, I want it to be as reflective of my life as possible. And if you, also if you look from a curated point of view, when you listen to playlists and people's playlists, they, they trying to listen to as many different genres as they can right now. And for me, a lot of the love aspects, like I said before, nobody had never experienced love, right? And um, again, from the love point of view, I want to be as honest as I can be about mm -hmm. things, you know? And um, that was, a interesting experience of writing it from a different perspective and there's songs about love in different ways you know there's yeah. i think this we, we put too much pressure on just romantic love all the time yeah. and but there's other loves that's just as pure like you know your bond with your family your friends and you know and mm -hmm. those are so important need to be talked about way more um so the songs like older which is about my sister and we're just writing i'm writing song to her about like an open letter to her mm -hmm. about something she called me about that day and cried within our family dynamics and stuff like that. And I just wanted to write more honest music about everything about my life. And I think, I think we live in an age right now where being so honest with everyone about like artists especially have to be so honest about their everyday life. Whereas for me, I want to be as honest as I can with the music itself. So when you hear the music, you can hear it, but I don't have to come out here on social media and tell you like, this is yeah. how I'm feeling today. And this is yeah. all the stuff I've been going through recently. Like you hear it in the music. And mm -hmm. that's why if you're honest enough there, I don't think you need to give, you over explain yourself too much. Yeah. 
Um, and that's why there's like love songs, like love, love songs. And then there's like songs about my family. And that's my grandma, like there's a, my, my grandma singing on the interlude. Like, you yeah. know, those are also love songs to me, yeah. I think. And has she heard that song, your older sister? Yeah, she loves it. How she react to it? She yeah, she really, really, she really loved it, and because she's always been asking me to, because the last EP I wrote a song about my mum. Yeah. Um, she's like, "Where's my song at?" Yeah, she's always <laughs> been that way, and I remember like, um, all those DJs back in the day, they used to have like, they used to always fly on jets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and my sister would always go like, um, "You should be." I want to be on that jet and like on the wing. We need to take a brother sister picture of the jet and yeah. stuff. So I was finally going to say, let's do um, yeah. a song for her. Mm-hmm. One of the songs that I love, it's called Lifeline. It just came out. Yeah, it just came out. I love this. I was listening to this song like on repeat all day yesterday. Um, just not to prepare, but I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> this is like, this is just really good. Um, so let's jump into that. I wrote really early on in my relationship and it was, I had just gone to LA for a month to write music and I was dealing with a lot of insecurity of wanting to protect the relationship as much as I could and have the security that this will last forever. Um, and I think, you know, when we get into a relationship, you're always like, oh, this feels so great. When is going to end? Like, you know, always that fight and that, that voice, in your, voice in your head is like, oh, this is going to end. Yeah, this is going to end soon. And so I was just like trying to figure out like, no, I need this to stay forever. Like, this needs to last forever. So let me, it's kind of navigating that insecurity of like, I need this life, like I want to be with you. It's like, I want to set in stone. There's like a line that says, set it into stone, right? So we're just by, by your side, where we're both like laying in the ground together at the end of our life. So set it into stone. Um, that's kind of where it sets like, oh, I want this to end that way. Like we were both in the ground together side by side. Yeah. And that's kind of the whole like by your side. That's why it's such a loop of by your side. Like, I just want to be by your side constantly. Um, and then I think throughout the song, I've learned that you, if you have that pressure of like, oh, I need this to last forever, you're not gonna enjoy it in the moment as much. And so I've started taking the, the pressure of stuff like that out of relationships and just be, enjoy this moment and just love purely, deeply, whatever. And and so this song has been really helpful in that aspect of like me understanding my own self a lot more. Um, but it was an important song, it was a really important song. It was like the earliest song that, we were, that I wrote for this project. So is this about the person you're with now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so what was the experience like? Like, how did you fall into that relationship? Like, was this during you starting to be getting this album? Or was that before it started? Uh, it was much before, much before I even dropped Nobody, I think. Really? Yeah, it was ages ago. Um, but yeah, it was like a while. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I mean, isn't it, as an artist, the cycle is experience, experience, talk about it all, take a little break. Continue to experience in this running. But I don't even think you can take a break anymore. Like, (laughs) it just doesn't feel like you couldn't. I don't think once this project comes out, I'm dropping music in three months. Like, after the project comes out, because you can't stop. Like, it doesn't feel like you can stop. And I don't think it's just, I think TikTok has kind of played a huge part into that of like being really fast paced. Because if you're not dropping music, I'm going to go to another artist that's dropping music, you know? And what's that like, kind of? Being an artist born out of TikTok, right, giving you the break that you know you maybe you were looking for, although the art music was always there, is how do you think that affects you, like mental health wise, and just like generally as an artist? Like, I think it's incredibly stressful. I yeah. think when I had nobody, is that kind of moment, 
up until that point, everything was so authentic. I wasn't doing this, sitting in my car, playing my dad this song that he's probably heard 500 times before but and act like it's the first time he heard it. Yeah. I would never do skits and stuff like that on, on TikTok and mm -hmm. it always needed to be really authentic to me. Yeah. And then that happened, that moment happened. And then when you, it's so dangerous, man, when you get that moment because waking up to 100,000, I would post any video, get 100,000 views yeah. with nobody in the background. Yeah. And the moment you post the next song and it doesn't, you're like, where's it gone? I, I like that. Give, give me, give me some more. Give I need it back. More. I need it back. And then you start doing the stuff that you never wanted to do, and so you start following this pattern of like doing all weird, you know, stuff to get attention and like more clickbaity stuff. And yeah. then I started losing myself, and you get to a point where it's like I'm so drained trying to be someone I'm not for social media. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's kind of what it's taken its toll on me. I think. And then over the, over time, I just realized if I'm just gonna be here on TikTok, I'm going to try and figure out a way to just be myself. And that's when I started posting those like mood board slides and stuff. Yeah. I was like, this is cool. Like, I just want to post cool content and not have to force Maybe a viral an extension moment. of your creativity yeah, rather yeah. than... Yeah, I just wanted to be like, oh, if you go to my TikTok, you'll find more of my story. There's like long form mm -hmm. stuff like me talking about yeah. my hate for the algorithm and like mm -hmm. stuff like that and just my story. And I think that's more important. Even if it gets 1,000 views versus 100,000, 200,000, it's better to have those 1,000 because those 1,000 people are hearing the truth. Yeah. And But it's, it's very stressful. And it leads into your one of your songs on the album, uh, Day Off, right? Yeah. I just need a day yeah. off. Yeah. That, um, day Off is probably about that. It was I think it was I wrote it just after Nobody Blew Up. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like, it's just so stressful to navigate mm -hmm. social media as an artist. And... That's kind of what the song's about, actually, yeah. yeah. I just want to, like, write hits, run around the world. That's it. And yeah, not worry yeah. about all these things. Um, but, yeah, that song's the last single. Yeah. Wow. What's it like for you, you know, like, coming to New York and, like, finally signing this uh, label? Like, what are the, the feelings that are rushing through you? Because it's something you've been working for since Bangalore, India, right? I know. I, I, went, I went for a walk today. I just had to get... Because I think around this whole campaign about putting this project out it's just a lot of stress and yeah. i'm doing a lot of it on my own as well at the minute and stuff like that and so it's just you wake up and you're just like instantly in a space of just like yeah. i don't know what to do i didn't have what like how to control stuff because like so many things we're putting out music is out of your control and you're trying to get some person in some building trying to like your song so they put you on the playlist and yeah. this and that and it's just a lot of like stress that you never intended from music so i just wanted to get out get a coffee walk around and just be to be grateful for the fact that i am in new york and my music has brought me from my room in india to new york yeah. and that was and sometimes i really need to take moments like that where i just take it all in and just be really grateful about and proud of what i've achieved so far mm -hmm. regardless of if i've not hit the goals i wanted to hit or whatever yeah, yeah. It's, um, sometimes it's like Forget that the burden of the dream makes you forget that you're already living yeah. in it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like, because we, we were literally, my friends last time, we're like, we're in New York and we're complaining. Like, come on, what's <laughs> happening? Like, we're just like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, we're, we're in New York. Like, and I, I'm so grateful, man. Like, yeah. even last year, being able to go to LA and like, these are all pipe dreams at one point in time, yeah. you know? And, and now I'm here being able to do stuff like this. Like, it's just so... It's a, I never feel it living it. This is what I was, Lifeline's about as well as the love. Like you never, when you're right in it, you never take a second to be like, oh, this is amazing. Why am I focusing about, you know, the the security of everything? When I, I'm right here, I feel secure right now in this yeah. moment. 
Um, and I think that's just so, so important. If you're an artist struggling with that, like think of the moment you're in right now and just accept that for a second, let that sink in and then worry about the future. Cause it, you could worry about the future every single second of the day and it just gets really tiring. My friend, you are one of those examples of people that aren't only just like the example, but doing it and like living the dream and kind of showing mm -hmm. everyone and especially, you know, young brown kids that like, we can do this yeah. shit. and it's special, you know, being yeah. able to travel the world and have such a, a background that's so layered, um, unique, but still relatable. And so I just want to thank you, man. Thank you for coming on. Um, do you have any last words? This is your camera right here. Um, last words if you're about to die. Like, do you, say, <laughs> do you have words to say to... to um, all right, before... All right, cool. Uh, this is all the brown people and people that are just having a bit struggling with their self-identity. You are sexy. You're going to be heard. And people want to listen to you. And listen to his album too. Coming yeah, listen, out. Listen to the album. Awesome. Uh, thank you for having me, man. Dude, of course. This is this is lit, man. Appreciate you. Okay. All right. Now let's go have fun this weekend. That's Midtown. So Empire State Building, all of that is Midtown. That's all the labels are as well. Yeah, all the labels are. There's so many universal water all out there. You can kind of see those glass buildings over there. That's a whole